ESPN Radio. idea that unvaccinated players could come into town and as long as you're a road team play but home players it, it was just really inconsistent from the start and uh, i think the recognition of that helped push this thing through the new york city private sector vaccine mandate that there'll be the necessary changes perhaps in the near future that would allow kyrie irving to return espn radio this is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Freddie Coleman. You can tweet to us at Coleman ESPN, at Amber W790. You can also join the conversation. 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. We are asking you, with Coach K retiring, Who's going to become the face of college basketball? But it's not college basketball that we're going to talk about right now. It is the NBA because in professional basketball, something went down last night or maybe nothing went down last night because it was a whole lot of nothing from the Brooklyn Nets last <laughs> night as they lost to the Charlotte Hornets, Freddie, 119 to 110. And of course, this comes after the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, he lifted the private sector vaccine rant mandate that had been keeping Kyrie Irving off of his own home court. And now Kyrie can play at Barclays and it doesn't matter at all. I mean, it just doesn't matter. This guy mm -hmm. started six of two. He was six of 22 from the field. He was two of 16 from the start in this game. So it's nice that he's available to show up at Barclays, except for now that he's available to show up, he actually has to show up, Freddie, which seems to be a problem for Kyrie Irving. Maybe Kyrie Irving is at his best when he has a cause to play for and it doesn't involve him. I mean, think about this from the second when it comes to Kyrie Irving. He He's determined to be him. We have a saying, me and Jay Boogie, one of our guys behind the scenes. Why is that person like that? Sometimes he's him. Kyrie Irving, he's going to be who he is. Although I found it very interesting that when he always has a cause that he can get behind or something that he feels the need to try to get in front of, then all of a sudden we see the best of Kyrie Irving. We saw that at the Cleveland Cavaliers. He didn't want to be second fiddle LeBron James. So he hits the game winning shot in game seven versus the Golden State Warriors. He goes to the Boston Celtics, and when he had a cause to play for it, I want to stay here, I want to be with this team. And then he tried to be a leader, and it got clapped back against him. Then he wanted anything to do with the Boston Celtics. Now he had a cause to play for that he wanted to speak out for those who wanted to make sure their freedoms and their rights were exercised. And he was speaking out for those who couldn't speak for themselves. And I'm not going to say that one night should be a barometer for Kyrie Irving, but it seems to me that guy's always at his best when he feels he's being picked on or that he's not allowed to be him. So now that he's allowed to be him, we're going to see what this is going to go for for the Brooklyn Nets because it's not about getting in the playoffs. It's about winning a championship with him and Kevin Durant on the same team. Well, the cause that he should be playing for right now is trying to get better seating in these playoffs because Charlotte's victory pulled the Hornets into a tie with the Nets now for the eighth seed in the East. 
by virtue of Charlotte's 2-1 record against Brooklyn this season, they've secured the head-to-head tiebreaker. So the Nets will have to outplay the Hornets down the stretch in order to avoid falling to nine, which would put them, of course, in a two-game play-in type scenario. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if Kyrie Irving needs something bigger other than, hey, man, if you don't play well, your team's really in danger here of having terrible seeding here in a play-in scenario. And you may be looking at a very shortened postseason that's over before it started. And he doesn't have to worry about a guy like Kevin Durant getting at him. And what I mean by that is Kevin Durant just wants to play ball. That's not questioning his leadership. But Kevin Durant always wants to make sure everybody gets along. He doesn't want any kind of strife, doesn't want any kind of disharmony. Kyrie Irving lives for disharmony. Kevin Durant does not want that on his basketball team. He wants guys coming together for the common good, going out there and winning a championship. I wonder how that's going to work because if you're Kevin Durant and you're not questioning why you joined with Kyrie Irving, you wanted to join forces with somebody that you had a great affinity for. And there's no doubt about that, in my opinion, when it comes to both of these guys together, Amber. But at a certain point, when does Kevin Durant get in touch with inner James Harden? Because James Harden had enough, and he said, I'm not going to be quiet about this. And he got, got the hell out of there, mm-hmm. forced his way out of Brooklyn to go to the Philadelphia 76ers. If you're about winning games and winning a championship, because that's why you're there in Brooklyn for Kevin Durant, and you got a guy that seems to play at his best when he has a cause to play for, how much of that is going to fly with a guy that does not want something like that attached to his legacy as the reason he left Golden State to find a better guy to play with because a lot more friends had a better friendship with Kyrie Irving than he had with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, et cetera, et cetera, Golden State. Yeah, if, if, listen, if you want harmony, then certainly one could question his decision to team up with Kyrie uh, from the onset of things. Sure. But this is where they're at now, and I understand that Kyrie cares about things off the court that are bigger than basketball. We all understand that there's things, of course, that are bigger than basketball. That's without question. And there's a lot of guys in the league who care about a whole lot of things off the court that are a lot more important than the game they play. But the reality is that when you're on the court, you have to care about what you're doing on the court, at least while you're on it. And last night, it almost felt like Kyrie didn't in a playoff type type environment. That's what concerns me about this because, Mm -hmm. Freddie, I'm not very concerned what happens in the regular season when it comes to guys who have rings and have had a huge integral portion of winning that ring like he did alongside LeBron in Cleveland. When you're talking about the stars and the superstars in this league, I understand that postseason basketball is a whole different ball game and that they don't necessarily care about each regular season game. But last night felt like a postseason basketball game. The fanfare around it, the pomp and circumstance, when they introduced Kyrie when he came onto the court at Barclays, that's what the fans had been waiting for all season long. And then he came out and he was a no-show. And it was so strange to me on that night in that environment with, like I said, also, of course, standing in playoff implications on the line. I mean, the only excuse for it is maybe if he's trying to avoid the Raptors in the play. Like, could this be some big master plan on Kyrie's part? Because they were in a scenario where they were going to match up with the Raptors here, and now they keep falling. Now they're in ninth. The Raptors are suddenly sitting at sixth in the East. Are they going to try to put themselves in a scenario where we'll do everything we can so we don't have to see Toronto in any sort of play-in scenario? Although, listen, Toronto might be taking care of that by themselves. Sure. But of course, if they see them there on Toronto's home court, Kyrie wouldn't be available for that game either. So maybe this is some big master plan by Kyrie. But short of that, yeah, I don't know what he's he was doing out there last put, night. Put it this way, Amber Wilson, Freddie Cohen of ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. When somebody who's believing a flat earth system when it comes to Kyrie Irving, nothing's off the table right. when it comes to him, number one. Even that could be far-fetched for him, but who knows? 
But here's something else that and we can't get around this. You made the point in terms of it's all about the playoffs in that situation. If you're Kyrie Irving, how are you going to make this team better and not just by scoring the basketball? Because in playoff basketball, I've seen Kevin Durant make guys better. I've seen guys rally around Kevin Durant. I've seen Kevin Durant almost take a basketball team by himself last year that if his shoe size was size 17 and not 18, then the Bucks had a lot of questions to answer because they'd have lost that series. That would have been it. And maybe we're not having James Harden leaving to go to Philadelphia, whatever that's going to be. So when it comes down to it, Kevin Durant I know can do it. Kyrie, ever seen you make a game-winning shot in game seven to do it. But I've not seen you make guys better. I have not seen have guys rally around you because he wants to be the Batman. But on this basketball team, Amber, that Batman has to be Kevin Durant because that guy's the best player in the world. As much of a bucket getter that Kyrie Irving is, if the ball's not in Kevin Durant's hands at the end of the game, you're not doing anybody any favors. Kyrie Irving has to play off Kevin Durant, not the other way around. Can Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving do that? Does he want to do that? To me, that's the biggest question about the Brooklyn Nets. It's not Steve Nash. It's not Kevin Durant. It's not any kind of vaccine mandate that's been rolled back to help out Kyrie Irving. How are you going to make this basketball team better in a playoff situation? What are you going to do to lay it on the line other than just scoring a bucket and being a bucket getter that I've seen Kyrie Irving do? Kyrie Irving is a great player. He's not a one, though. He can't be your best player on your team, which is why he won a championship as the Robin to LeBron's Batman. And that's what he's going to need to do here again in order to win a championship alongside KD. But Kyrie knows that, right? I mean, you don't Does you he? don't come together with Kevin Durant and Does think he? that you're going to be the Amber. guy. Do Does you, Freddie? Amber Duzzy. He, Amber. Sh- he, cer- he certainly should. Let's put it that way. <laughs> You're right. When it comes to Kyrie, we can't put anything past Kyrie. And that's certainly where we're at with this Kyrie Irving experience, experience so far in Brooklyn. I mean, just another frustrating blow for Nets fans as they watch this team. So excited to finally have Irving out there every single game, game mm-hmm. in and game out. And now they're just dropping games and not showing up on nights like last night. Coming up next, we transition to the NFL. Which quarterback would you rather have? Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield? We hear both those guys are available. Maybe not so fast. That's next. This is ESPN <laughs> Radio, Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman. ESPN Radio. The 49ers are trying to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) Not as easy as it sounds, though, Freddie Coleman, apparently. We got the comments last week, I believe it was, where reportedly through sources, John Lynch was saying to teams that he had a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo on the table, a trade offer. Mm -hmm. It was two second rounders for Garoppolo. And all of us were wondering, why wouldn't you take that? Exactly. And now the news comes from John Lynch himself, where he says that apparently there never was any actionable trade offers for Jimmy Garoppolo. So one of two things here is happening, Freddie. Mm -hmm. Either that other report wasn't so accurate because there wasn't ever two second rounders on the table for Jimmy Garoppolo or he didn't find that to be actionable in exchange for Jimmy Garoppolo. That's hard not just hard, that's impossible to imagine because what else could they want? So, in other words, we've gone from the biggest damn lie mm-hmm. when it comes to John Lynch to a team that, in my opinion, has overplayed their hand because of the NFL landscape. I'm sure the San Francisco 49ers thought, even with Jimmy Garoppolo's cap hit number of over $26 million, that in a quarterback-driven world that we live in, that somebody would want to be in the market for two second-round picks and move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and start the Trey Lance era. 
they did not foresee Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay or Russell Wilson being traded to the Denver Broncos or Baker Mayfield and that whole Cleveland Browns situation. They didn't foresee any of this because nobody could foresee this. But if you're the San Francisco 49ers, whatever offer was on the table early, you should have taken that offer. This is why they didn't do it, Amber, because they still don't trust Trey Lance. They do not believe that Trey Lance is ready to be your starting quarterback. If they thought he was ready, they would have moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo if any offer was on the table. Even teams knew that the 49ers probably were not confident that Trey Lance would be their starting quarterback. So they're thinking, we'll wait. If you cut him, then we'll go get him, and we don't have to pay him $26 million. Why would we want to do that when we get him on the cheap? The 49ers overplayed their hand, and they're going to have to pay for that by having Jimmy Garoppolo not playing for anybody else in 2022. John Lynch also told us that he does not envision a scenario in which Garoppolo will be cut outright. He says that the team backed off, the team, other teams backed off after the shoulder surgery for Garoppolo. So what that, teams? that has harmed <laughs> the trade market. He says it's actually possible. That Freddie Coleman is right. That's not a direct quote. I'm improvising. He said that Garoppolo will be on the team in 2022, even at his current price tag, that that is a possibility. I don't know if that's necessarily the worst thing ever. I've been saying since the get, why couldn't you keep him around? Because it doesn't seem to have been much of a problem before. Now, I understand if you think Trey Lance is ready, then you need to hand the keys to the the castle over. You you need to go ahead and, and make that move so that he can get used to running that offense at game in and out fine but if you aren't sure if you still have reservations then why not take a little bit more time with a team that's fully intact to try to you know mm-hmm. win another nfc championship mm-hmm. here at the i guess with jimmy garoppolo at the helm I, I think that this is the problem though that presents itself what's that when do you move on then you move on after this season then so we'll rock with garoppolo one more season and then what like then we're handing it to trey lance and then are you hindering his ability to develop and progress. And so I think that's why they were at a point where they thought, all right, now's the time with a $27 million cap hit. But also, though, Freddie, I think part of factoring that in wasn't just Trey Lance and Garoppolo, but was thinking there'd be a market out there for Garoppolo. And there should be a market out there for Garoppolo. It's strange that we're at a place where a guy who has had the success that he has had, and I understand it's not all on his shoulders, but the success that he has had in that uniform, it is strange that we're at a place that nobody seems to want him. And obviously some of that is that he's, I guess, 30. I mean, it's not very old. Some of that's 30. Some of that's $27 million. Some of that's injury the history. injury woes. Mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota has a job right now, though, with the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Right. Can't, can't get worse injury history than that, right? So, I, I mean, it's not like there aren't guys out there who have jobs who haven't had nearly as good of a career as a Garoppolo. But you follow the money here, and you made the point, Aaron, in terms of the cap hit. Right. When it comes to $24 million and dead cap money, it's over $26 million. Why would you want to take that on? and strangling your organization for a guy that you still don't trust the quarterback. And if you're the San Francisco 49ers, what is the rush for Trey Lance? We're not talking about a guy that's 31 years of age at the end of his NFL career. What is the harm in having him sit one more year until you fully believe that he's ready to be the quarterback of your football team? You don't have to like like Jimmy Garoppolo, but you've liked him enough that he's gotten you to a couple of NFC championship games. Mm -hmm. And he was one bad throw away from making sure that Patrick Mahomes is still ringless in the National Football League, in that Super Bowl game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you if you believe that Trey Lance was going to be the guy, you would have played him a lot more last year. He wasn't ready to play last year. This is what happens when, and, I, and I'm going to say I'm not going to say he's ruined the league, but guys like Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore, teams have seen those guys played early, and they were successful early. Justin Herbert of the Chargers, 
they right. seen that he was successful early. So Joe why Burrow. Can, right, Joe Burrow, exactly. Ba- even with a point, Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. who was successful early the last part of his rookie season, you see that and you feel the need that all of a sudden you're on the clock as an NFL team. And you think, well, if Trey Lance, one more one year, he's going to be good. Now he's not ready. This is just me spitballing. If he was really ready, they'd have moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. He's clearly not ready, and they overplayed their hand because they thought there were going to be more suitors for that dance card that turned out to be eliminating one by one because the NFL just never stops. More suitors for both Baker Mayfield. You just mentioned him and Jimmy Garoppolo. I do want to have that conversation. I want to save it for a little bit later in the show now because I do think it's interesting that there hasn't been a market, frankly, for either of those guys. Some of it is just where we're at, though. So if I'm the 49ers, what I'm doing, because you mentioned there, Trey Lance, maybe they're not convinced that they're ready to move on to Trey Lance fully and completely. Trey Lance is only 21 years old. I mean, he doesn't, and we know that he came into the league with the lack of experience. He doesn't necessarily need to be ready. If you were able to bring Jimmy Garoppolo into the season still on your roster but by the way some quarterback somewhere else gets injured because that's bound to happen this is the national football league then all of a sudden there's a renewed market and probably a renewed interest for jimmy garoppolo maybe trading him in march isn't the move anyways because maybe you're waiting for another organization to get desperate when they're in a win type of situation Mm -hmm. and their guy goes down And then they see the guy over in San Francisco who, like you says, has the ability to get to an NFC championship game or a Super Bowl, even if he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. All of a sudden, $27 million starts sounding pretty decent in that situation. But when you've been burned and you overplayed your hand like the 49ers did, you may be very skittish when July and August rolls around, especially if Trey Lance is not ready. You can't make that trade if a team is desperate, if the guy that you believe in, Amber, is not ready. Because now – you are nowhere, and you can't do that in that division. When you got the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray, you got the Rams who are the champs with their quarterback, Matthew Stafford, and oh, by the way, the other team in that division, Seattle, they're in rebuild mode. You right. do not want to be closer to Seattle if you're San Francisco than the Rams and Arizona Cardinals in that division. Real quick, I know Chris Canty and I were theorizing that if there was, in fact, a team out there that was willing to trade two second-rounders for Garoppolo, it had to have been Seattle because it's the only way that maybe you could talk the 49ers into mm-hmm. trading him within the division, and maybe that would be why the 49ers didn't find that to be an actionable, actionable trade. Or maybe and John frankly, Lynch then I think that they should have taken it, honestly. <laughs> or, yeah, John Lynch was lying. Coming up, are the Boston Celtics a legit title contender? We'll discuss mm. that, but first, a word from Indeed. If April is showering your company with open positions, then check out Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. Then invite them to apply and get connected. Maybe you should invite Jimmy Garoppolo to apply. He needs to connect. No more jumping from site to software to cell phone. You can easily schedule and conduct virtual interviews all on the Indeed dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash credit. ESPN Radio. at this Celtic team, they have the best starting five in basketball. They are now a team defensively that concedes absolutely nothing. They're like a bunch of piranhas. And it's a true statement that they actually could win a championship. And I might put a hot hundred on it just because. Our 
are the C's legit? This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman hanging out with you. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Mm-hmm. The Celtics. It pains me to say, as a Miami Heat fan, Freddie Coleman. Say, I the hear Celtics. Some skepticism. They're sitting atop the Eastern Conference. They are tied with the Miami Heat at 47 and 28, but my Heat have been going the wrong direction, while the Boston Celtics have been going very much the right direction for quite some time now, certainly in the second half of the season. And Jason Tatum has been phenomenal. He made history. He made franchise history uh, on uh, today. He became the first Celtics player to win back-to-back Eastern Conference Player of the Week awards. Tatum is averaging 32 points this month, five boards, five assists, a steal, a block. That's over the span actually of just Three games from March 21st to March 27th. All of those wins, of course, for the Boston Celtics. This team looks phenomenal, and it's the trajectory at the right time. You want the trajectory, of course, as we head into a postseason where now they may be the number one seed. So can they win a championship? Well, in a loaded Eastern Conference, Amber, to me, there are five teams that can actually do it. Celtics, Heat, Bucks, 76ers. I'll put the Brooklyn Nets in. Those are the teams I would trust that can – have a legitimate chance when it comes to getting out of Eastern Conference. But why not this Celtics team? It's not that they just won six in a row and Jason Tatum's done something they've never done. And the, Larry Bird, yeah, Bill Russell, all those, Paul Pierce, all those dudes. And he became mm-hmm. the first person to do something like that. The major difference for this team is what's troubling the Miami Heat now. Guys understand their roles a lot better than Boston Celtics. And I wonder how much of the blurring of the lines has happened with the Miami Heat that maybe certain guys believe, okay, I should be getting this much more. I should be getting this many more shots more. I shouldn't. He should be getting as many shots as I am. That has not been an issue the Boston Celtics. They all looked at each other. I go out to Marcus Smart. They had a bad loss, and Marcus Smart had enough. He said, guys got to learn how to be leaders, but guys got to know their roles. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm putting myself in that category as well. From that point on, I guarantee he said, we got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The ball has to go through them. If it doesn't go through them, what are we doing? And even when Jalen Brown was hurt, the ball has to go through Jason Tatum. Once guys understood and defined their roles, they made things a lot easier for their basketball team. That's how I wonder how much of that issue that the Miami Heat are struggling with right now, why they have not had the kind of run that we saw for more than a minute from January to February with this basketball We'll team. definitely get into some more of those issues later in the show, but definitely no issues right now in Boston. For more on the Celtics, we turn to the guest line where we find Chris Mannix, a Sports Illustrated senior writer, NBC Sports, Boston NBA analyst. So, Chris, let's start with you right there then, because a lot of people are saying that the Celtics are a surprise team now, a surprise contender. And frankly, I find that narrative to be a bit strange because I feel like that this is, considering the talent on this C's team, I feel like this is exactly where the Celtics, frankly, should be and that before they were underperforming in the last couple of years and in the first half of the season. Well, they, they were underperforming in the first half of the season, but it wasn't a, a small sample size, really. I mean, they, they went two months looking like a dysfunctional group. Um, you can go back to a loss to Minnesota um, in late December where the Timberwolves didn't even have their top three guys, and the Celtics went there and, and just got beat. And, and that felt like the rock-bottom point of the season. Uh, you can point to a lot of things that, that changed since then. Health, of course, is – uh, Paramount Jalen Brown dealt with some issues early in the season and uh, was healthy really since mid-January on. And you know, adjusting to Ime Udoka, who brought to this team a completely different style of coaching 
that most of these guys had been used to experiencing, different from Brad Stevens in almost every possible way. And, and, and those, those things kind of clicked for this team uh, in the second half. I mean, all that being said, you know, this injury to Rob Williams is yeah. catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's – there's – you know, the Celtics have been the best defensive team in the NBA by a mile, and Rob Williams is as integral to that as as anyone is. So, you know, whatever fortunes the Celtics have, they really do swing on, you know, what happens with Rob Williams in these coming days. What kind of procedure does he have for that knee, and how long is that going to keep him out of the lineup? You mentioned that on your Twitter handle, SI Chris Mannix, that he has a left knee lateral meniscus tear. No timetable off of a potential return when it comes to Rob Williams. So how important is Daniel Thies going to be really now because they got him back with this basketball team at the trading deadline? Yeah, you know, Tice is still a a important piece to this puzzle. He'll obviously see an increase in minutes, you know, in the coming weeks with Rob, <clears throat> excuse me, being out of the lineup. Uh, but, but for me, it, it's going to be – the combination of Al Horford and Grant Williams now in that front court. I, I would expect um, in the subsequent games to see Al Horford slide over to the five position. So it's a spot he played last year in Oklahoma City, and he played it with really well. Um, so I would expect him to see increased minutes at that spot. And Grant Williams has been one of the bigger surprises for this team this year. I mean, he's been a terrific three-point shooter, um, one of the best in the NBA in certain spots on the floor, uh, and a real energy guy on the defensive end. So – the ability of Al and Grant to pick up the slack for for Rob Williams is going to be really important, as well as you know the minutes they can get from Daniel Tice, who, if nothing else, is familiar with the players on that roster from his years there. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated senior writer and NBC Sports Boston NBA analyst, on with us here on ESPN Radio. So, Chris, you cover it all. So I want to ask you about another team, because on the way in, you might have heard Freddie mentioning their the Miami Heat, they have been trending the opposite direction of the Boston Celtics uh, the last couple of weeks. They lost to the 76ers without the without James Harden, without Joel Embiid out there. They lost to the Warriors without any names that you'd recognize out there. They lost to the Knicks. What has been happening with this Miami Heat team as they give up the lead here in the East to the Celtics? Well, there are obviously some internal issues within that team and, and that blow up against Golden State. Um, you know, that, that just doesn't, stuff like that doesn't just happen, right? Like that it's a kind of a straw that broke the camel's back type of moment. And, and to watch Eric Spolstra, who look has been the picture of calm during his time in Miami, he was dealt with different levels of dysfunction over the years. I mean, famously getting bumped by LeBron in his first year uh, down in Miami to, you know, just the ups and downs of that team as they've tried to recover from the post LeBron era to see him kind of just lose it on the sideline and go after Jimmy Butler uh, was was something to see, and and I don't just I don't buy the narrative that oh you know we'll be fine we we do worse in practice all that stuff does that doesn't ring true to me necessarily on the court you know one of the issues they've been having is that as good as they are defensively they play Tyler Hero a lot of minutes and Tyler Hero is not a good defensive player uh, and teams start to recognize that and it goes back to that Philly game with the Sixers if you look at the last four minutes of that game. They just put a bullseye on Tyler Hero's back and kept running offense that was directed at going one-on-one with Tyler Hero. And look, this is a copycat league. And, you know, you get to the playoffs, you know, Miami may have to choose between playing a guy that could be the unanimous sixth man of the year this year. Tyler Hero's been that good uh, for Miami or and dealing with his defensive deficiencies or trying to find a way to scheme their way out of it. So, you know, those are just two of the 
what seem to be pretty significant issues right now down in Miami, which if Boston's peaking you know, before this injury at the right time, Miami's kind of bottoming out a little bit at the worst time. Bottoming out is a great description when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't, know, I don't know if they've hit rock bottom yet, but they're pretty darn close, Chris. They can almost see the ground from where they are. What if this team does not make the playoffs? Then what for this team in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a market difference between what the offseason will look like with a playoff appearance versus a play-in versus a not make the playoffs at all. They, they need sweeping changes. And, look, they'll have the – I don't want to call it roster flexibility because they have no money, but, like, they, you know, I think only – Five guys are under contract for next year. They're big three plus, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker. So, like, they'll, they'll be able to turn over the roster. And if I'm Rob Palenka in that front office, I'm looking at this team and saying, I got to get more athletic. I got to get some wing guys yeah. that have length, that uh, can defend multiple positions. I mean, to pivot it back to Boston, the reason the Celtics have been as good as they are defensively is that they are athletic and switchable at five positions like Marcus Smart could guard centers and Rob Williams could guard point guards when needed uh, to do so if you can you have that kind of flexibility you're going to be great defensively the Lakers don't have that they're just old and unathletic and they lack length at at too many key positions and if I'm them in the offseason one way or the other look you're not going to trade LeBron Anthony Davis you can't trade Russell Westbrook Uh, you've got to you know counter for it by trying to find the best athletes that are available and young guys and and guys with some wing, uh, some, some long wingspan. So, I, 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 it's not easy by any stretch. Like they're going to have to to really get creative to find those types of players. But you watch this Laker team, and you know, I watched a game recently against Orlando where the Magic were right there with them, only because they were more athletic than the Lakers. So, that's got to be a priority, a top priority for LA this offseason. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated senior writer, NBC Sports Boston NBA analyst. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. You got it anytime. Coming up next, we take the conversation back to the NFL. We started it. We're going to finish it. (laughs) Who would you rather have, Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. The NFL draft this year is going to be in Las Vegas. It's pretty idea. exciting, Should right? Vegas, hey, new <laughs> NFL market. Right. It's a fun place to go. Probably a really fun place to attend an NFL draft for fans. Mm-hmm. Next season, it's going to be in Kansas City. Okay, barbecue. I'm in. Okay, I, barbecue. You can respect that. And yep. it's nice that the NFL is taking their show on the road and going to some of these other markets that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily think of for such an event like the NFL draft. Yeah. And now we got the announcement today that in 2024, it's going to be in Detroit. They're trying to help Detroit as a city. That's what I'm thinking. Because there are going to be two U.S. Opens that are going to be in Bloomfield. So this is about trying to have an economic rebirth when it comes to Detroit. So I understand why the NFL is getting it. How is that going to play with players? Well, that's the thing that I always think of here, right? Because, listen, it, it, it's great for Detroit. And, I, and mm-hmm. I also credit the NFL for, again, trying to take the show on the road, trying to reach some of these other markets. And then also, you're like you said, try to boost Detroit up. Put some more money into that community. These events always draw, right? And they're going to draw in terms of attendance. They're going to draw in terms of eyeballs. It'll absolutely help in terms of the economics there. Mm-hmm. So no fault for the NFL for that. That's awesome. But I always put myself in the position of the student athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a top 10 projected pick in the draft and now you're going to 
Detroit to walk across the stage instead of, you know, New York City, where it used uh-huh. to always be. Or maybe even Las Vegas like uh-huh. this year, which is probably wildly exciting. Yep. If I'm 18 years old, not, I mean, I feel bad. Now I'm going to say, you know, nothing against Detroit, even though we've set up this whole segment like a knock against Detroit. So I'm very yeah. sorry to everybody in Detroit. I've never even been to Detroit. Right. I just, for me, Kansas City, Detroit, it's just not as exciting those markets yes. if I'm 18 years old as you know going to the Big Apple for the first time with the bright lights and the big city. I think the NFL is overthinking this. You got to have it in places where people want to go to. Nothing against Detroit. I get it trying to help them out of the economic downturn. And like I mentioned, you're going to have two U.S. Opens. Part of the PJ eight major events will be held there. But if you're the National Football League, you shouldn't have to pay a penance for this when it comes to the NFL draft. This is a big event for the NFL. There are going to be a lot of dudes staying home in 2024 and not showing up to shake the hand and be hugged by Roger Goodell, the commissioner. There's going to be a lot of guys with their parents. and Yeah, I was drafted. They're not going to show up to Detroit. Las Vegas, you have to keep people out. Detroit, good luck trying to get people to I think to go Detroit there. will turn up. I think they will oh, turn absolutely. out in terms of attendance. So will Kansas no City. But, but I definitely am worried about that component of it. The players now seeing an opportunity. I'd rather be home. Like when we had the – the pandemic draft. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go share this with the people I love as opposed to traveling up there to Detroit. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman here on ESPN Radio. You can tweet to us at Coleman ESPN at Amber W790. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast brought to you. Bring, let me just. Bleep, bleep. Take two. Just and bleep, bleep, go. Rewind. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I fumbled that one. Thanks for the air horns back there. I fumbled that one uh, because I was just so excited to jump into this next topic uh-huh. because we already started it earlier in the show. We talked a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo and the situation out there with the San Francisco 49ers. It surprises both of us that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have a new home yet, but we also both said maybe he doesn't need one quite yet. Maybe actually that's the best case scenario for a 49ers team. Maybe isn't quite so ready to hand the keys over to Trey Lance at the helm at just 21 years old, as mm-hmm. we may have all thought. Right. Baker Mayfield, of course, is another quarterback that we all thought would probably have a new home the second that we heard about the Deshaun Watson trade. He has yet also to find a new landing spot. It feels like there is no market for either of these guys out there. And, Freddie, that really surprises me, frankly, for both of them. But if you were – trading for one of them if you were choosing you were looking for somebody new at the helm like a seattle who very much needs somebody so it's a bit surprising that they're not moving on from from drew lock and finding a different option but you're Mm -hmm. a franchise like that the panthers that also i think could uh, use some help there a little bit over donald right it's also a strange situation they're not looking at either of these guys but reportedly they're not interested but if you were if you were making the decisions there in carolina are you bringing in jimmy garoppolo or are you bringing in baker mayfield I'm bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo. I trust him more than Baker Mayfield. And I get Baker Mayfield got his feelings hurt when they made a pitch with Deshaun Watson and then he had bitter beer face at the 25th power. He's ripping off letters to people saying thanks to the city of Cleveland and the people who've always stood by me. And people are like, dude, it's the NFL. People do get traded. You're not just because you're number one pick doesn't mean that you're immune to that. I just look at Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm going to trust that his leadership is going to be a lot better than Baker Mayfield. 
to me, Baker Mayfield's a really good leader when things are going in his favor, when he can show that toughness and have something to rally around. And he'll have that because he feels disrespected by Cleveland. But Jimmy Garoppolo seems to fit what teams can do as a stopgap kind of quarterback. I trust that guy's going to make less mistakes. I think he's going to be the kind of guy that teams will like to be around because he's not going to make it about him. And that's not to say that Baker Mayfield did that in Cleveland. But I think that there's been a referendum on him by so many people that once he was gone, also Odo Beckham Jr. said, I wouldn't mind coming back. And then also Jarvis Lane, I wouldn't mind coming back. Plenty of guys in San Francisco were really upset. They knew the business of the NFL, Amber, about moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. That didn't mean they liked it with the San Francisco 49ers. That tells me all about the measure of that guy that has nothing to do with football compared to Baker Mayfield. I understand what you're saying, and people definitely have their concerns about Baker Mayfield off the field in terms of the leadership. It doesn't look good that the Browns said they needed to bring in an adult and then they treated yeah, for the guy with 22 pending that. civil actions against him for sexual misconduct and sexual assault. Why? Because I, of the Browns. Because of the Browns. Well, <laughs> uh, but that was their idea of an adult over uh, Baker Mayfield. None of that looks good if right. you're a Baker. But I have been surprised that there isn't a better market for Baker Mayfield because, first of all, we're 14 months removed from seeing Baker Mayfield win a playoff game. It's not like we've not seen Baker Mayfield have any success as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. We're four years removed from him being a number one pick and coming into the league where everybody thought he had that level of talent. He has certainly faced some difficulties during his tenure with the Browns. The leadership stuff the accuracy stuff, but you can't take anything. I don't feel like from this past season. Cause we know it all changed. The second That's he true. tried to make that tackle, the second he gets injured, he's playing through injury. He catapults his career with the Browns by trying to play through that injury That's in true. hindsight. He should have never gone out there and tried to do that. I so agree. his toughness has almost harmed him here. And so I think it's a bit strange because people always talk about with Baker, the kind of the mental component, the leadership stuff, the locker room stuff. And I think, why doesn't he get any credit for trying to be out there playing through that injury? Isn't that leadership? It wasn't he trying to lead in that regard. He's trying to will those wins for his team, even if it didn't work out. It's a fair point, but here's something that kind of go counter to that with all that was going on with Jimmy, with uh, Baker Mayfield, excuse me. I didn't hear one teammate say good for him or he's doing it for us. When you don't hear that, that's very, very telling that I wonder how much of too much selfishness is going on Baker Mayfield with Cleveland because they have a bunch of guys that love the fat mouth all the time. That something's going on, anonymous sources here, anonymous sources there. I didn't hear one person say, man, good for Baker Mayfield giving up for this football team. I heard more guys supporting Odell Beckham Jr. anonymously from moving on from Cleveland than I heard for Baker Mayfield, who was giving it up for his football team based on what you just said. That doesn't look good. You're right. Baker, though, much, much younger than Jimmy Garoppolo, much younger. He's also much cheaper. And that is why (laughs) I am surprised that more teams aren't choosing Baker because you're talking about an $18 million cap it versus a $27 million cap it for Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is in his 30s. Baker Mayfield is still in his mid-20s. You said less mistakes for Garoppolo, uh, 38 interceptions, but you're right. That is the guy with less mistakes. It's interesting, though, that both of these guys right now still looking for a new job. Coming up, though, not looking for a new job, Duke or UNC. They're still dancing. That's next. This is ESPN Radio.